Welcome to the Sin Job Pod. This is a podcast by young people from Sin Media. On each episode, a new Sin volunteer will speak to a media or creative industry worker in their field of interest. They'll discuss how to get your start in your chosen industry, the ins and outs of job hunting, and pro tips for landing that dream gig. Do you want to get your start in the media industry? Become a Sin volunteer today. Head to syn.org.au forward slash get involved to find out more. Welcome to another episode of Sin's brand new Job Pod, a podcast for young media makers to chat with people in their industry of interest. My name is Angus Thompson. I'm a student journalist and co-executive producer of Panorama, Sin's flagship news and current affairs program. Today on the Job Pod, I'm talking to Sin alumni Jani Blarkley. Jani is an investigative journalist with Choice, focusing on consumer affairs. Prior to joining Choice, he worked with SBS News for four years as an investigative journalist and correspondent across radio, TV, and online. He's also worked as a freelance journalist and radio producer, making audio documentaries and stories for ABC Radio National, BBC World Service, and Deutsche Welle. Jani's Radio National audio documentary, Democracy Rising, won him a 2016 Young Walkley Award. Jani Blakali, welcome to the Job Pod. Thanks for having me, Angus. So, Johnny, let's go back to 2013 and you're interning at the Malaysian online news organisation, Malaysia Kinney. Uh, what about that experience as an intern made you want to return to Melbourne to study journalism? Yeah, so I kind of always wanted to do journalism in the back of my mind. It was always something that um, I was interested in pursuing, but I wasn't quite sure if it was right for me and I wanted to kind of try out uh, to see what the experience would be like before committing to a full three-year degree and getting myself into all kinds of hex debt. So I decided to um, do an internship. I had a family connection to a Malaysian newspaper, an online newspaper over there. Um, So I went over to Malaysia during my gap year and spent three months interning in Malaysia, which was a fantastic experience on a lot of levels, Um, as well as having to learn a whole new political system, a whole new complex, um, different way of of doing politics this this new site particularly focuses on politics but the thing that i got most out of it was just that experience of writing a story every day coming up with pitches to the editor um and getting that real practice and experience in writing which um meant that when i did come back to australia to study journalism i was kind of rearing to go and keen and confident in in putting my writing out there straight away yeah, that daily churn is just really important for for practicing and and uh, improving your skills. So, when you come back to studying in Melbourne, how did you get into doing community radio at Sin? Um, I, I hadn't done any radio work before at all. Um, it was just one of those things that I found out was happening. Quite a lot of RMIT students are involved in Sin. Uh, you know, geographically, it's right next door. It's very easy. For them to do that but um it was something that was encouraged by our lecturers um if we had an interest in radio to get into doing sin stuff so um i jumped right in i ended up doing panorama stuff straight away pretty much um and yeah just getting that practice on that daily churn um producing a story to a deadline every day for radio um and then yeah i did a bit of work with represent which was a political show at the time and also ended up hosting a, a short series on international politics as well, which was a big area of interest for me. So all those experiences 
just getting used to producing radio on a constant basis really helped and really, um, yeah, helped me gain confidence to move into radio reporting as well as the written stuff that I'd already been doing. Your audio documentary, Democracy Rising, helped win you the 2016 Student Journalist of the Year Award at the Walkleys. Can you tell me how, um, how, yeah, how that project came about and where did you first think of the idea and how did the ABC end up publishing it? Yeah, so um, basically uh, Earshot, which is an ABC half an hour documentary style uh, program on Radio National, they have and they still do put up uh, public pitches, submissions for pitches. Um, I think they do it around every three months or it might be six months. But basically they just put up on their website saying, you know, do you have an idea that you're wanting to produce into a half an hour documentary? Um, and they were really open. So I, I pitched it through that and they were really open and receptive to the idea that I had about going to Malaysia, following these kind of young up and coming activists who were fighting to bring down the government at the time um, and doing telling that story through audio. Um, they, they, it was something where I was utilizing the skills that I had and the knowledge that I had about Malaysia to tell a story that, 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 you know, most Australian journalists probably wouldn't have been able to tell in the same way. I had that connection. I had that inside, you know, the, in the start of the documentary, I follow a family friend who I think she was about 16 years old at the time. Um, her mother drops her off at the train station so she can go into the protest and her mother's kind of nervous about her daughter going to the protest and just capturing those kind of inner experiences that coming as an outsider from Australia, you probably don't have access to. Yeah, no, the pieces, I listened to it um, just this week and the, it's a great example of narrative uh, storytelling through radio. It's got this incredible bed of sound which sort of transports us from uh, the the uh, your grandparents sort of countryside village to the chaotic protests um how did the skills you learn at um learned at sin and rmit help you make this documentary um so i mean there was the real basics in terms of um just you know basically using audio recorders using a shotgun mic to help direct sound um i found you know particularly in a protest setting you do need to be able to focus in and really direct which way you're recording sound um so those skills were helpful I think the main thing that I got from Sin that really helped working towards that was just the confidence. Um, even though I hadn't produced half an hour of radio before, I was producing radio on a regular basis. I was, um, you know, producing short five, five to 10 minute segments all the time. So just having the confidence to expand out what I was already doing in a longer form um, really helped a lot. And um, yeah, it was really the producers at Radio National who helped me tell the narrative and build the story. And um, yeah, it was just about capturing lots of content. So, you know, it's the kind of thing that once you're back in the studio in Australia, you know, it's a bit too late to say, oh, can I go back and record this again? Or can I do another take? So um, just going over there, recording as much as I could, I recorded much more than I needed and it meant that when we were in the editing booth we had lots of options and things to work with. Back in the days when you could travel of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah back in the days when international travel. I think I mean it's it's an interesting thing I think uh, as journalists you know it's about using those particularly as new journalists and young journalists starting out um, I think it's about using 
what skills and what knowledge you have, you know, whether that's a, a regional Australian experience, whether that's an experience in a certain, you know, if your parents are from a certain profession or um, whatever life skills that you, you have and the story that you're connected to. Um, I think that's something that news organisations really value. If I had pitched, oh, I want to go over and make a documentary about Donald Trump's election or something, you know, it's a story that, that there are so many other people out there who are more qualified to tell than me. But if I'm telling a personal story, if I'm telling a story about my family in Malaysia, I'm telling a story about my friends going to a protest in Malaysia, that's a story that I'm kind of uniquely placed to tell. And I think that's why the story was accepted and why it was so well received as well. Yeah, that's definitely something that a lot of my lecturers have or advice that they've given when I've been asked about pitching things is that that people want to know, producers want to know whether you can first and foremost, whether you can actually complete the story, whether you can actually make it. And I guess in that situation, having those connections in Malaysia, they could be confident that you at least had had somewhere you could hit the ground running a bit. Do how, what advice would you give to young journalists coming up with a pitch for um, a, new, a big news organisation, but even just um, a, a smaller maybe community radio station? Yeah, I think just thinking about that, what stories are you uniquely placed to tell? Um, you know, if there's stories coming from your own personal experience in life or if there's stories that you've come across that are interesting and different um, in a way that, in the way that most people might not might not have an insight into. So I think um, it's thinking about where you're uniquely placed to tell a story and playing to those strengths. Um, I, you know, those in, in my current work, I don't, I don't do much personal journalism, journalism that touches on my personal life or my personal experiences as much. But, um, you know, I feel like when you're starting out, you've got to play to your strengths. And that's a, that's a strength that a lot of people have is their own personal experiences. Um, yeah, if, if you're, it's kind of further down the track that you can branch out to more other kinds of journalism as well. Yeah. And we've talked about how your Chinese Malaysian heritage had helped you in that story in particular. There's been a lot of scrutiny of the Australian media's lack of diversity in recent years. What would you say to young aspiring journalists from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds about pursuing a career in a newsroom? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I think um, just to not be disheartened by, you know, there is a real lack of diversity. You turn on your TV screens and there's so few journalists that you see and who are, you know, from non-Anglo or non-European backgrounds. Um, you know, you look at uh, those winning big awards or you look at those on judging panels and things like that and people regularly point out the lack of diversity there. But there is a lot of movement happening in that space as well and there is a lot of opportunity there too. A lot of news outlets are aware of the fact that they do lack a lot of cultural diversity and are providing opportunities to young, diverse journalists to get into the industry. Um, it's it's always a balance and you're still going to be sitting under largely Anglo management and having to uh, work through that process of um, negotiation when it comes to a story on a culturally diverse issue or a... Uh, um, a topic that might be sensitive, um, you know, and in a lot of newsrooms you are going to be the the token or the one person in there who isn't 
you know, from an Anglo background. But I think not being discouraged through that and just, um, you know, producing great work and allowing that to shine through. Um, I think that would be my main tip. But the main one is just being not discouraged from the lack of diversity because it is changing slowly. Um, you know, there is organisations like Media Diversity Australia who are really pushing for more cultural diversity in newsrooms. Um, major newsrooms like the ABC and SBS and stuff are, are well aware of the issue and um, are making changes in that space. I mean, it takes time, but I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. There's also less and less spaces for young people to um, have a voice as well, and SIN is one of those. But why are the voices of young people essential in journalism well, I think it's it's about diversity at the end of the day. I think we need to have a real range of diverse experiences um, and, you know, that comes into play when you're talking about reporting on any issue. Um, you know, the best reporting that I've seen uh, coming out of oh, Australian newsrooms about Afghanistan in the last few weeks have been from journalists who have an Afghan background themselves. Um, you know, the best reporting about young people's issues is going to come from young people who have that insight themselves. So newsrooms need to adapt and newsrooms need to be um, encompassing of a, a wide range of diversity of voices, whether that's uh, gender or sexual orientation, age, race, class. Class is another big one as well. Um, so I think uh, newsrooms are realising that the more different voices they can get in there, the better. And slowly that's changing in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So you, I really like that you mentioned the stories that, um, or, or we've talked about uh, telling stories from your own experience in your own community, but we won't always be able to do that or as journalists or sometimes we'll have to extend ourselves. How do you ethically and authentically tell someone else's story? I think it's just about um, <clears throat> being really honest about where you're coming from and not uh, you know, when you're approaching a story, particularly if it is with someone from a vulnerable community or someone who, um, you know, it's a very different situation if you're approaching a politician, say, or a spokesperson for a big company. But if you are approaching, um, you know, these people who uh, might not have had any experience with the media in the past, I think it's just about coming to that authentically, treating them like a person, being upfront and honest about what you're going to do with the content that you capture um, and then going back and telling that story uh, in, in the most ethical way you can. Um, at, at times that might be, you know, in terms of collaboration with people or in times that might be um, putting, you know, thinking of ways that you can put their vo voice forward and not so much focus on your own voice in certain circumstances. So you certainly did like a lot of internships and, and things like that. What's something you learned out in the field that universities don't always teach you? I think just the journalism, like anything else, takes a lot of practice to get right. Um, I think, you know, in, in, in university, we, we look at these great pieces of journalism or we look at these great correspondents or whoever they are, these, uh, you know, these top performing journalists and think, wow, that's such an unachievable goal or, wow, that person's so much better at this job than I could ever be. But, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's a skill that comes through practice and whether that's practising, um, you know, 
doing real basic interviews or Vox Pops or whatever it is that you get sent out to do as an intern, um, those experiences in the newsroom are invaluable. And um, it's only through doing it constantly that you actually uh, gain those skills over time and gain confidence as a reporter. I'm, and along with hundreds of other journalism students and recent grads, I'll be eventually be thinking about getting my foot in the door of a newsroom sometime soon. Do you have any tips for young people like me looking for their first job in journalism? I think just not being afraid of applying for jobs that aren't your dream job. I think sometimes there's, you know, uh, I mean, it's great to dream about where you want to end up, whether that's Four Corners or The Guardian or whatever that may be. Um, But, you know, you need to take steps in the right direction and uh, being open to jobs that are in regional locations, being open to jobs that are less than ideal. I mean, my, my first job in the industry was involved waking up at 4.30 in the morning, driving into ABC Melbourne, uh, Radio Melbourne uh, in South Bank and answering callback callers uh, for, you know, three and a half hours, um, you know, cranky people who call the radio station at 5am in the morning to have a whinge about their neighbours putting up a fence or whatever it is. I mean, that's not my dream job and I don't think it's probably many people's dream jobs, but it's a step into the industry and it allows you to make networks and make contacts. And I think just being willing to take um, whatever job that gets you that experience in the newsroom that gets up your writing confidence or your radio confidence or your TV confidence and just having those experiences that help build you in the right direction to where you want to go yeah, the early starts are a real thing that you have to get used to. My, I recently just got my first sort of media industry job and I also get up at 4.30 and uh, yeah, it's a it's something that I think you have to get used to doing, being uh, working irregular hours. <laughs> yeah, but also trying to make your own opportunities as well, whether it's through freelancing or, or going elsewhere. I mean, it's a tough industry to get into and no one's going to serve you a dream job on a platter, but if you, you know, build your resume, you build your experience, you show that you're a hard worker and you can do the the graveyard shifts, um, I mean, I think that goes a long way. Yeah, so you're now an investigative journalist with Choice magazine. What makes a good investigative journalist, do you think? I think just that, um, that kind of dogged pursuit and that willing to really look into an issue in, on a deep level. I mean, uh, I think... It's, it's most of investigative journalism, it's a lot of looking around in the dark for something and hoping that, you know, it's there when the light comes on eventually. Um, I think there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes that you don't see and there's lots of um, time and energy that goes into a story and, and pursuing stories that don't end up being stories. I think um, just that willingness to uh, continue working at something uh, despite they're not being a clear outcome all the time. And just that, you know, that genuine curiosity and inquiry um, that you have into a certain topic, I think, yeah, is is helpful. And how do you know when you've got a good story when you've, once you've done all that digging? I I think, um, you know, when I look back at some of the best stories that I've done, it it is when you've got that, that that nugget of information that is, new that that no one else has found before that is shocking that is relevant to people um but at the same time it needs to be a story that you can tell 
in in a really condensed form to someone who uh you know you're not you're not writing essays at the academic essays at the end of the day so um it needs to be a story that you can communicate easily as well as a story that has a, that depth and and value in it as well so i think often you you know you've got a story when um all the pieces kind of come together and you can see how it's going to come together and you can um, tell that story in an engaging way. And just finally, what are two pieces of advice you would give a younger Jani? Um, I think the main pieces of advice would be around, uh, yeah, not being afraid to make mistakes. I think the worst thing you can do on an internship or, um, you know, in front of someone who you're trying to impress is try and cover up your mistakes or pretend that you haven't made a mistake. Um, and I think that can be really damaging. You know, you've got editors, you've got supervisors, you've got managers. Those people are there to catch mistakes and to, you know, work through it. And, um, you know, it's unlikely that what you've done is is going to be terribly detrimental. But I think just being honest when you do make a mistake is one piece of advice that, you know, I was always terrified of making mistakes um, and I've made plenty, but I think just not being so fearful about that. I mean, you're expected to make mistakes as a, as a young and a new journalist, but um, just being honest up front, owning those and moving forward. Yeah, I think the other piece of advice that I would give is just to not be so, um, I guess, stressed is probably the right word about where these opportunities are going to come from. How am I going to get into the industry? How am I going to land this job? Um, and just, you know, continue pursuing it and put a lot of effort into it, but not without that, without that kind of constant um, stress behind it. I think, you know, the amount of rejection letters I've gotten from freelance pitches, the amount of job applications I've sent to places and been rejected from, um, it's endless. But I think if you focus too much on that, you're going to get caught up and, and not progress forward. So I think taking opportunities where you have them building your resume, consistently doing good work with confidence that at the end of the day that will come through and that will be recognised. Um, yeah, and not and just not being so stressed about the idea that you've got to make it by a certain age into a certain job or anything like that, but just getting the practice under your belt and doing the hard work and letting that come through. Yeah, that's great advice. Johnny. thanks so much for joining me on the job pod. It's been um, fantastic. No worries. Thanks for having me, Angus. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sin Job Pod. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To hear and see more great content by young people, follow at Sin Media on social media or head to syn.org.au. Do you want to volunteer at Sin? Head to syn.org.au forward slash get involved to find out more.